The following program was pre-recorded on WFAN. It's time for Hello, My Name is Craig, our weekly candid conversation about gambling addiction. It's supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, 800-GAMBLER. Now, here's Craig Carton. Good morning. Welcome to another edition of Hello, My Name is Craig. Craig Carton with you this Super Bowl weekend talking about gambling addiction. And it's a good weekend to talk about it because so many people will be gambling on uh, the Super Bowl in so many different ways. Joining us, as always, from Epic Global Solutions is Dan Trelauer. Danny, good morning. How are you? I'm well, Craig. It's good to be home, and it is a big weekend, so it's a good, good weekend to be doing this. Yeah, one quarter of every American alive will be wagering in some way, shape, or form uh, on the Super Bowl this year with over $100 billion at risk. Joining us uh, today is a fellow gambler in recovery, Kevin. Kevin, good morning, and thank you so much for joining us. How are you today? Wonderful. How about yourself? Doing great, thanks. Uh, when was your last wager, if you don't mind me asking right out of the gate? Uh, honestly, uh, I had six months. Uh, yep. My last my last wager was uh, originally 7-29-2023. Okay. But I just recently uh, relapsed on that, and so I'm now three days clean. Got it. All right. What, uh, what took place uh, three days ago that uh, made you uh, kind of fall off the recovery wagon? So I... It was originally on Abilify for uh, for a long time, and when I started taking that, I didn't know that you know one of the side effects could possibly lead to uh, uh, compulsive gambling. Yeah. And when I first started my recovery journey, it was through it, it was for uh, drugs and alcohol, and because of that, when I got off of off of that, that's when I began my gambling career, and so. I never really had a problem gambling before. Uh, I was a truck driver for five and a half years. I didn't mm-hmm. have to Vegas and this, that, and the other, and yeah. never had a problem with gambling until I ended up in recovery. Then, um, again, I was on Abilify, and so I was I was sitting here thinking, I was like, well, maybe it was just because of the Abilify why I built this, sure. this problem, you know? And so... I started off with a scratch off ticket and I was, you know, I didn't have to keep buying any. I was like, I, you know, I ended up breaking, breaking even. I was, I was ready to go down to the uh, gas station, cash it in, just go on about my day. But then I downloaded the, um, the state app to uh, scan the tickets to make sure that, you know, I didn't miss one or anything and I, you know, all that. Right. And they have games on there and I didn't realize that. And I self-excluded from the state I live in, but so I can't honestly, I can't go on there uh, under my name. So I used an alias. Hold on. So there's a lot there. So just to back up the truck for a second, you had issues with drugs and alcohol, went into recovery, kind of, you know, fixed, you know, those addictions and we're in recovery. And then innocently enough, bought a scratch off ticket and that brought you down, or that was the the entry point for you uh, to want to, to gamble, yeah. Correct, correct. And Got it. It, it. it started with scratch off tickets, and I started yep. going to casinos and all that. Like it, it just it spiraled out of control. Was there any when you look back on it now? Was there uh, was there a part of you that said, "Hey, obviously I'm an addict. I had drug issues. I have drinking issues. I should stay far away from gambling because." It's a similar vice that I might not be able to control myself with, or did you never think that? I've had people describe that to me, yeah. and I was like, you know, that I don't really think I would have that issue, so I, you know, I, I should be okay. Right. And boy, was I wrong. 
Yeah, let, let me walk through the medicine part of this because I have yeah. personal experience with that, although a different medicine. You know, part of the story that uh, this may be the first time I ever tell this. I'm not sure, Dan. You could you could tell me if you've heard me say it before or not. You know, part of my story that I've never told publicly was not a part of you know me getting in trouble at the time because it, it wasn't talked about at all in my trial or in the newspapers or the coverage of of what I was doing. Is that I have restless leg syndrome. Uh, went to Mount Sinai to get a study for it. They came back, like, no joke, the worst case of RLS, restless leg syndrome, they've ever seen at Mount Sinai here in New York City. And I was prescribed a drug uh, called Rapinarol. Uh, a neurologist gave me the drug, and with the warning that the number one side effect of taking this drug is the possibility of compulsive gambling. Now, I like to gamble before the drug anyway, so I don't want to blame it solely on the drug. And I kind of poo-pooed the notion that I could take a pill and that pill's going to make me want to gamble. And beyond that, you'll gamble uncontrollably and irresponsibly. But truth be told, the dose I was on of that drug to try to help cure my restless leg syndrome uh, led to, in part, not totally obviously, but was a a part of my story (laughs) – In that while I was on the drug, I was gambling compulsively. When I stopped taking the drug, it coincides with the start of my recovery. And now, you know, five and a half years later, I haven't gambled at all. And I haven't taken that drug in those five and a half years either. So I understand what you're saying about the possibility of literally taking a pill and that pill having these types of negative consequences. Um, Can I I jump in, in, Dan? Yeah, go ahead. It's good that we're talking about this, right, because this is part of a larger issue when we talk about public health and recognizing gambling as an addiction, right? Uh, When I was the assistant director at 800 Gambler, our public health specialist did a paper kind of looking at aripiprazole, um, the one that you just mentioned as well, uh, rapinarol, because you start running into this, this, it diminishes, it impacts your impulse control regions of your brain and the ability to kind of control that. So when you already potentially have something like uh, gambling disorder, a problematic relationship with gambling, and you're compounding it with taking medications that could further impact that, this needs to be addressed. And that's why, from a medical perspective, it's important that clinicians, that doctors, psychiatrists that are prescribing medications need to ask questions about someone's gambling more and more. Because yep. as we've now heard two cases between yourself and Kevin, that this compounded the effects of an already existing, uh, it exasperated an existing condition. Yep, 100% right. Uh, so, Kevin, when you had gone the six months without gambling, uh, walk me through, you know, kind of that experience. Was it hard for you to go day to day to day to day, or did you find that you were kind of able to breeze through it uh, for the first six months? For the first six months, it was pretty much easy to do. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, when I when I first realized I, I, I seriously had a problem with gambling. I, I reached out to the uh, Virginia Council for Problem Gambling. It's the 800 number here in Virginia, or yep. the, 800, the 800 number for uh, problem gambling. And since I live in Virginia, that's where, you know, it, it directed me to. And by doing that, they, the, the uh, peer recovery specialists that I ended up getting in contact with, they were like, look, we don't really have a way to be able to help you with you know, your gambling as far as like going into a recovery center or anything. And I was like, you know, like that's kind of problematic. Like, you know, there's people out here that, 
have a gambling problem that don't have a substance use problem. And, you know, it would benefit them to be able to go to a location sure. to isolate themselves from being able to have that impulsivity to so you go got, gamble. So you got frustrated. You made the phone call to do the right thing. And unfortunately, in Virginia, at least in your experience, there wasn't a, an avenue for you to get the help that clearly you need. I'm with you on that. Right, right. Yep. But luckily, I also had a substance use problem. So, I, you know, I ended up falling off the wagon on that, too. So I managed to get into a recovery center. And at the recovery center I managed to get into, there was a gentleman there that, you know, had problem gambling addiction as well. And so we were working one-on-one with my gambling problem along with my substance use problem. And he's been a major part of my life. Like, I, I, I swear, like, you know, my higher power put yep. him in my life for that's, the reason he did. That's a good you thing. Know? Hi, walk, and, me th- walk me through, if you don't mind, for people listening. And I know time is short here, so we're only going to really touch the surface of your story. And maybe we're going to have you back one day to really get into the nitty-gritty of, of your life and what brought you to the place you're at now. When you go back at the height of your gambling, uh, before you, you uh, three days ago, uh, decided to gamble again for the first time in six months. Walk me through what type of gambler you were, how often you were doing it. Uh, was it just scratch-offs and lottery tickets, or did it become a daily pursuit of you know, table games and sports and everything under the sun? So I wasn't really a sports better. Uh, very rarely did I play table games. My, my biggest thing was slot machines. Got it. So um, it, it was scratch-offs and slot machines. Like, I wasn't big into, like, Powerball and all that because, like, you know, the chances of that are, like, astronomical. Right. And you also wanted instant gratification. You want to scratch exactly. it off and know right now exactly. win or lose. Yep. So what was, what was, if you don't mind sharing, as you're driving a truck, so, you know, you're on the road seven days a week, et cetera, and you had kind of conquered the drugs and alcohol, and now you're, you know, knee-deep into scratch-offs and, and slots when presented to you. What was the first time you stopped gambling? Was there a bottom-of-the-barrel moment that led you to say, all right, I got to stop? Or is it just you woke up one day and said, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to treat this the way I treated drugs and alcohol? So my bottom-of-the-barrel was when I started calling my parents and was like, hey, look, uh, can I borrow, like, you know, 50 bucks to get me to work? Because uh, I, I had no way to get there. And that was my way of being able to get extra money to go and gamble with. And so I found myself lying to my parents, and I, I not wanted to lie. And I found myself doing the things I never thought I would do. And that's when I reached out for help, was when I realized that, you know, I, had to get, I, I was living in the Hampton Roads area, and I had to go from one side to the other on a bus and managed to luckily get on the bus for free because of the driver that happened to be there that day. If it weren't for that, I would have never made it home. And on that bus ride is when I called the 800 number and decided, okay, I really, I really need to get some help. Did you find a similarity in how you process gambling the way you used to process your drugs and alcohol use or totally different? So I find it different. You know, a lot of people are like, you know, uh, because I attend uh, Gamblers Anonymous meetings. There's one yeah. here in Richmond that they do it in, in, in person, and it's the only in-person uh, meeting here in Richmond. And um, it's at 6,000 Grove Avenue. Uh, and uh, But it's 
you know, it, it's something I attend weekly because it it literally, you know, they have AA, they have NA, and they have GA, and they have a bunch of other A's. But uh, in my opinion, like you know, Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous, they are very similar. But when it comes to Gamblers Anonymous, that is something on a completely different level because only a gambler can really relate to another gambler. Dan, let me bring you in here before we take a quick break. Uh, just from a standpoint of stats and percentages, the majority of people that present with compulsive gambling, if you had to give me your educated guess, what percentage of those men and women uh, also have some type of addictive problems with drugs and alcohol? Yeah, there was, there was a number of studies. I would say the range is that approximately 50 to 60 percent of people that have a, a, gam- a problematic relationship with gambling also have some type of alcohol use disorder. Uh, and the same percentage also has some type of nicotine dependency. So you start seeing a lot of connected behaviors, you know, gambling and drinking, gambling and smoking, gambling, drinking and smoking. So you start to see a bunch of stuff going on. And, and when you start to work in recovery from one, but you still have the other ones going on, it could lead back to that pathway of, of reconnecting those and yep. either uh, return to use or addiction switching into something else, right? So we do see oftentimes a lot as well as mood disorder, generalized anxiety disorder, depression. They're all interrelated and connected. All right, let's take a quick break there. We'll continue on with Kevin and, of course, Dan from Epic. This is Hello, My Name is Craig. Back to more of Hello, My Name is Craig on The Fan with your host, Craig Carton, and supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, 800-GAMBLER. Welcome back to Hello, My Name is Craig. Great to have you here. Kevin joins us down in Virginia and, of course, Dan Trilaro. Kev, uh, before we let you go and, and really appreciate your time you know, it's, I'm glad you're sharing the story honestly with us because you're one of the first guys we've had, at least in a few months, who is, you know, actively started to gamble, you know, only a few days ago. And I wonder if you could walk us through what happened three days ago from a standpoint of, did you think, okay, I can handle it now to be okay to buy one scratch off or hit a slot machine because I'm under control? Uh, when you look back on what happened three days ago, do you beat yourself up over it and walk walk us through a little bit, you know, the emotions and what it was like for you to make that wager for the first time in six months? So I, I was with my roommate and we decided to go to a grocery store and he ended up walking over to the uh, scratch off machine. And I'm sitting there like, you know what? I could probably handle this now. You know, it's been six months and I'm not taking that medication anymore. Right. And, you know, I feel confident about this. So I started off with, you know, getting a few tickets. Managed to break even, all that. Once I scanned them in on the uh, on the app, it was like, you know, oh, man, all right, there's a whole world of games on this thing. And it, it, it just went downhill from there. And once I snapped back into reality, it was like, oh, my God, what did I just do? Like, right. <laughs> you know, and... So when, like, that realization started coming in, like, you know, I had to go to work the next day, and I like, I didn't go to bed till like, 2.30 in the morning, and I had to be up at 5, 5.30 the next right. morning. And so I only got a few hours of sleep, went to work, got home, and it, it just, like, I, I, it was on my mind all day. And all I could think about was, man, this guy, the, the guy that I was talking about earlier that was working one-on-one with me, he, you know, 
that was all I could think about. I was like, man, I'm really going to let this man down. You know, he he took the time out of his day, out of his personal time to work with me. And I went out and gambled. Like, you know, it was literally destroying me. And I happened to see him yesterday, and I, I almost started crying. I was like, yeah. look, man, uh, this is what happened. And I just, like, I feel horrible about it because I, I felt like I let you down. He goes, don't beat yourself up, you know. It happens, but you did kind of let me down, but you learned something from it. So you're you're at least moving forward, you know. I would also tell you this, and I think, listen, I think beating yourself up is a part of this process because you have this amazing guy in your life, your sponsor, who cares about you and is there for you 24-7. There's great value in that. But I also think, you know, when, when you look in the mirror – I think you did something that's pretty amazing here. And Dan, I think will back me up on this. You know, you, you acknowledge that, you know, you did something silly, something that you can't do moving forward because you can't control it, but you owned it right away. You know, a lot of people that, right. you know, kind of, you know, fall off of recovery and start to gamble again, as Dan can tell you, it, it, it ain't a three day thing. It becomes three months, a year, and they find themselves really even in a worse place than they were when they first got help and tried to get clean from gambling. The fact that you did gamble, which obviously you can't, but took immediate ownership of it and went right to the guy that you trust the most in your recovery and were honest with him means that you've come a long, long way in your ability to recover. Am I wrong on that, Dan, or right? A hundred percent. I mean, we often know that um, there's a lot that goes on behind return to use or relapse, whatever phrase you want to use. It often starts way before the actual bet was placed. That's what we know. There have been certain things that have been going on that have kind of been leading up to that point. And, Kevin, like what I've heard in your story, and also, Craig, what you shared, which I had not really heard you share before about restless leg syndrome, is that there's also a compounding factor of medication, a third-party medication, which is known to exacerbate existing conditions when it's problematic gambling, so impulse control. So there's a lot going on here that you were now like really work, your body was working against itself and you're, you're trying to do the recovery. You're trying to work. You, you were at an uphill battle and, you know, I commend you, man. Like, listen, it, it's great. And thank you for coming on and sharing, you know, I'm proud of you. As Craig always says, like, for like just getting back up because recovery is a journey. It's not a straight uphill climb. It's a, it's a daily journey that we have to do one day at a time. And by the way, it ain't easy. And that's why, you know, I'm proud of you as well. And I think you need to hear from guys like me and Dan, who are obviously in recovery, uh, and every day, you know, maybe some days are easier than others because life still comes at you, you fast, and sometimes, you know, you want it to, but it's it's right to feel bad that you did it for sure, and I hope and you should, but you can't beat right. yourself up like you're a bad guy. You know, you've got an addiction, you owned it right away, you're getting help, and you acknowledge, hey, listen, I'm not that guy. You know, some people, you know, the the, the idea that. You're never, ever going to do something that you enjoy doing for the rest of your life is not normal. Frankly, it's not. You know, and, you know, I was talking to an an alcoholic friend of mine. I was on a podcast a few weeks ago. And the notion that I think becomes problematic for all of us that are in recovery or trying to get to recovery is that, you know, part of the, the answer is you have to come out and say that nothing ever good came from my usage. Right. And that's just not real. Because there were days when I had a great time gambling. You know, there were days I had huge wins and loved every bit of it. And for me to pretend like those days didn't happen would be disingenuous to my journey. 
And I think part of recovery is accepting the fact that it wasn't 100% all bad all the time. And I think if we're more honest in sharing our experiences and owning those experiences, recovery becomes easier because it starts with honesty. So I think for you, owning the fact that you took a shot at doing it, you thought you could handle it, thank God it cost you a couple bucks and not your life savings, and your reaction to it in a very mature way was, I'm going to call the one guy I know I can count on, the guy I let down, and I'm going to be honest with that guy so I can restart my journey to recovery. There's a lot to be proud of in that, Kevin, and I'm glad you shared that story. I can't thank you enough for that. Absolutely, and thank you for having me. Like you know, that just that really just yeah. You always got you always got a tear out of me, man. So all good, all good. Well, listen, you enjoy your weekend. Uh, we'll talk again for sure. And again, very proud of you, and appreciate the journey you're on. And I'm glad that 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 gentleman's in your life. And uh, you'll give him a hug for me and Dan as well. And thanks so much for coming on. Absolutely, thank you guys. Take care. Thank you, brother. All right, Dan, before we wrap it up, and we'll get to the Super Bowl here in a second, what I was saying there I think is important because I was talking, as I said, I was on a podcast with a friend of mine who's now in the telehealth world, and he made the point of saying, listen, I have some great memories of drinking. Obviously, I can't drink anymore. I'm an alcoholic. At the end of the day, it was far more negative than positive, but I can't pretend like those moments didn't happen. And that really changed my perspective a little bit. You know, in, in sharing my story publicly and talking about my gambling, because there is an emphasis on only focus on all the bad things gambling did to you and how it negatively impacted your life. And I've done that for five and a half years, um, but that's not telling the whole story. And while I, I never want to glorify, you know, those good moments or those good days or the wins and all that stuff. Uh, if if I'm going to be truthful to my story and honest in sharing my story, I think it's okay to acknowledge that there were some moments along the way that I do look back on somewhat fondly or with a smile on my face because it brings back a positive memory. Now, the negatives clearly outweigh the positives, and I'm not suggesting we should ever you know, focus only on the positive or glorify it, but I think if we're going to be honest about our stories, then let's be honest about our stories. I agree. And, and to me, it comes back to being honest, authentic, and transparent. And what we start to see is that, yes, you know, I, when I share with college student athletes, I was just down in West Virginia last week. And what I tell them is, you know, some of my days in recovery will, will not match the highs that I felt when I was gambling. The, the highs just couldn't get any higher. But I also say the lows are not nearly as low. And I will take that trade off of not experiencing some of those really high highs. Because I don't want to feel those lows because ultimately for us and for many others out there listening, the, the negatives outweigh the positives. And that's the message, right? It's the whole story. And it's, it's okay if you dream about it. I've had people say, I still dream about gambling. Does that mean I'm going to go back to it? No, it's, it's so deep and interwoven into the fabric of your being that it was a part of you. The good, right. the bad, and the ugly is all a part of us. So, Craig, I agree. You know, you got to tell the whole story, but don't glorify it to your point. Right. And by the way, the longer we spent gambling in an unhealthy manner, the bigger part of our lives it was. So to now wake up one day and pretend like it wasn't, you know, the oxygen that we needed to breathe is just disingenuous um, you know, to relate. the overall story. Yeah. That's all. And and if we're going to yeah. help other people, we have to also be able to understand why people, you know, don't stay in recovery. 
you know, the far majority of people, you know, gamble at least one more time after deciding not to gamble. And for many people, it's multiple times. But the far majority of people in the research I've read do not stop cold turkey and never start again. There's usually a test period, an attempt, uh, let me see if I can do it type of thing like Kevin described. And that's the true story. I mean, that's the majority of people. So why don't we represent that in an honest manner now? Before we get out of here, obviously, the numbers are out there. You know, we're talking about, you know, damn near 100 million people in a country of 300 million people are going to wager in some way, shape, or form, meaning a lot of people are going to lose. A lot of people are going to wake up Monday morning and be panicked about the situation they've created for themselves. You spent many years at 1-800-GAMBLER. Give people an idea of what Sunday night and Monday morning is like at, you know, help centers for people who gamble in an unhealthy manner within uh, the 24 hours after the Super Bowl? Yeah, it's, you know, we, we did a piece on The Guardian that just came out today, and I was talking about this, you know, about in-play wagering, prop betting. You know, you have a buffet. The Super Bowl is a buffet of wagering. That's what it is. I love a buffet. Craig, you love a buffet, but not that kind of buffet because it's completely potentially harmful. And so a lot of people will view the Super Bowl as that day of just all day drinking, eating, gambling, at socializing, let's not forget about that, being with friends. But with the way technology rolls now, you can layer on so many micro bets, in-game bets, uh, same-game parlays, which we talk about a lot. You know, And all of a sudden, you look back at the end of the day, and you're like, oh, my God, where, where, what happened? And the next day, for some people, they're, not, they're now wrestling with credit card bills, not paying rent, not paying, being able to pay mortgage, and really kind of having to answer to the loved ones in their life. The, the, the helpline calls the week after the Super Bowl tends to spike and tends to go up. Uh, we see it not the day after, but a week after, because there's this coming off period, um, kind of the realization of what just happened, what do I do, I'm scared, I'm nervous. And we don't want people to gamble like that, Craig. You know, if, if people want to you know, place a wager and do so in a safe manner, you know, you got to do so when you're not consuming excess alcohol. You have to do so and know your limit. Set a limit ahead of time. Tell somebody about what your limit is. You know, put the phone in someone else's hand. You know, just watch the game for the game. But it's getting harder and harder to do that. And we're starting to see more people struggle with this problematic view that it's not gambling. You know, Craig, the phrase I hear all the time, and I've said this before, I don't gamble. I just bet on sports. Right, right. It's money management, and as long as I manage my money properly, I'll be okay. And we're just missing the boat on that. You know, that's, a, that's an unhealthy view of the potential harm of what sports betting can be. Well, remember, there are tools out there, time limits, wager limits, deposit limits, and they're all set up there for you to protect yourself against being emotional uh, in a big spot or chasing you know, a bad loss. So just be smart. We are all recognize you're most likely going to gamble in some way, shape, or form around the Super Bowl, whether it's an office box pool or a straight bet on the game or something in between. Just be smart about it and recognize, you know, that it's very hard to win and certainly hard to win with any level of consistency. Dan, always appreciate you coming on. Thanks to Kevin again. Joe Beningo's up next, and we will see you again next week right here on Hello, My Name is Craig.